Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. Follow us on Twitter at iGuestInfo. Send us your questions and we'll try to answer. Now enjoy the show. Well, you can't do a show about Seattle music and Seattle musicians and not include the uh, the legendary rocker, Randy Hansen. And I have Randy on the line with us today, and he's just a legend in Seattle and around the world, and I'm just thrilled that he's agreed to come on and talk to us today. So thank you, Randy, for coming on. Oh, that's me? Wow. <laughs> Thank you for the <laughs> yes. great intro. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I will tell you, you are just so loved here in Seattle, but then just I've I've been online and, you know, uh, talking to people on Twitter and on this uh, other site I'm on called Feed, and I just get tremendous feedback with you, just uh, people who just love music you know, you just have to include Randy Hansen in that. Um, and so we're going to talk about your new world tour that's starting up. You have an album that's being remastered and released. There's so much going on with you. It's, it's Where do we even start? Yeah, it's it's weird because, uh, you know, it's kind of feast or famine. Uh, you know, it's been pretty uh, docile lately. And then all of a sudden one day I woke up and all this stuff was happening. And uh, it's been really neat. It's really exciting for me. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, now in late May or late April, early May, it looks like Virgin UK is going to release your remastered tunes from your self-titled album that you had with Capital back in 1980. That's really exciting. Yeah, it it is for me too. It's funny because when that came about, I just you know I've been sitting here ill, and I thought. Uh, one morning, I, I thought, you know, I need to listen to that record. It's been a good 30-some years since I really listened to it. And, uh, you know, I'd been telling people for years that I hated that record and everything. And I re-listened to it, and I went, you know, this isn't that bad. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I kind of like it now, you know. It's like, I don't know why I told people that, but uh, oh, I guess I I should set the record straight and say, well, I guess I didn't do as bad as I thought I did. You know, it was my first <laughs> attempt at writing my own music. And uh, and it actually, uh, when I listen to it now today, I, I see uh, that it was uh, fairly innovative. And and there was some, there was even a couple of, well, there was one track on there is called Time Won't Stop that uh, at the time we recorded it, the band Journey was across the hallway recording any way you want it. And if you put those two songs back to back, you'll see a great similarity in them. Wow. And uh, also, they've made, I think they made millions off of that song. But, I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. But it, uh, so I, I guess that, you know, we were doing something right with it, even though at the time I was, you know, not. It, at the time of, of recording it, I wasn't too uh, enthralled with what was going on with me personally and things that were happening in the industry, uh, crossroads I was being met with and having to make decisions, and it got a little bit hectic for me. And it, it kind of left me with a sour taste in my mouth at the end of the uh, the, the end of that record. Which I think had a lot of bearing on me not liking it. And right. now, this many years later, after hearing it, you know, with fresh ears and everything, I, I kind of like it. 
<laughs> well, yeah, you, you've, you've had a, a, a 30 years to kind of, you know, grow wiser and, and probably grow up. You were, you know, a lot younger back in 1980 and probably um, harder on yourself, than, you know, than, than maybe you yeah, could have been was, as well. you know, I was comparing it with, you know, the, the you know, the the measuring stick of Jimi Hendrix and all the stuff we'd done with, with him and and I was comparing it, you know, everything that I did I was comparing to Jimmy. And I probably it was which probably wasn't that smart of an idea really. because uh, it was something else. This is me, I'm not Jimmy. I I need to I needed to uh put forth my own ideas and everything and that's the ideas on that record are pretty good. Don't pretend with your friends, you know, don't pretend that you're you know, I tried to say in there that you know, people were constantly saying, you know, now that you're on your way, Randy, don't don't let it change you, and everything. And those kind of sentiments is why I wrote "Don't Pretend with Your Friends" on that record because I didn't want to pretend that I was really something now, you know, and and that here I am uh, getting, you know, getting opportunities that I only dreamed of, and everything, and I was trying to not let them go to my head. And be true to my friends and and family and loved ones and everything that you know try to remain the same guy throughout it and everything and that's always been important to me and that basically is the whole message of the entire record of every song I wrote on it was kind of trying to either be a warning or a you know, or say say something about me that I didn't want people to think that I thought uh, thought really highly of myself or something. You know, I, I didn't mm-hmm. think that that was important. I thought what would be more important would be to put out a message. You know, uh, because that's what's important about Jimmy to me is uh, his message. Well, it sounds like at that time you were kind of struggling to maintain the balance. You know, there was a lot going on in your life, and you were still trying to be connected to that person that that you that that you were, even though right. you were moving forward into a different phase of your life. Yeah, and I was seeing things, you know, that I only heard about, you know, and things that were happening to me, and advice I was being given by a manager who ended up uh, I ended up firing actually because. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't agree with a lot of what he had to say and uh, you know he uh, he didn't realize that the uh, see at the time that we had this band together I I had the whole road crew and the band used to meet every night after we got through playing and we would talk about and pretty much conspire about the next show about what we were going to do to make it better what worked that night what didn't work and uh and we were whittling away at our show every night and that and that all those guys the road crew and us all had this idea that nobody was top dog that everybody was had exactly as much say so as anybody else and so when opinions would fly around the room they'd come from everyone and we'd all take it to heart and it was like conspiracy, like we were conspiring to blow the crowd's mind and everything, and uh, which is something I've never really had since in other bands. It was like the the most 
camaraderie I've had with a with an entire band and crew bef- uh, ever ever, mm-hmm. and it was a beautiful thing. You know, it was uh, something I really missed um, through advice of that manager. You know, he he advised that I get another band or the or the record wasn't going to come out and. He lied to me about all kinds of different things, and you know we, we don't need to go into all of it. But but eventually I decided, well, he's the only one that isn't uh, seeing it this way, uh-huh. and was more concerned about money than it seemed to me than than people, which I don't agree yeah. with. Right, right. Unfortunately, that seems to happen a lot to artists, and you know it's. It's just a, a, a sad thing. And they take advantage of, you know, young musicians or young artists when they're young. And, of course, that guy could never do that to Randy Hansen today because Absolutely he's had not. a long there was life no way experience. I big t- such big lessons I learned from all that that, uh, you know, that I decided what was important. And mm-hmm. I've kept all that, you know, in my heart of hearts and uh now it you know if he had come to me if this happened the same thing happened today i would have said hey we're driving 4500 people a night if capital doesn't want to sign me fine i mm-hmm. go but i'm not disbanding this band or the crew right you know and uh he wanted the crew disbanded because while we were working on stuff i kept them on retainer and david well, I shouldn't say his name, but he told me, uh, you know, that's unheard of. Nobody does that, and you shouldn't be doing that because it's draining your bank account or whatever. And what actually was going on is he wanted to drain my bank account. He right. wanted the money, you know. And uh, uh, and when I couldn't get him, you know, when I was signed to him also, you know, I couldn't get him to see eye to eye with me. And uh, and pay these people, and you know, because they had families and and stuff, and everybody right. was trying to feed themselves, you know, and and I felt that we were a family, and that it was crazy not to not to keep this thing together. But basically, he blew it all apart by his decisions that he made me make, and and that I. That I, he suggested that I make, and then I I went along with him because I thought, okay, this guy has managed some of the biggest people in music. He must know what he's talking about. Right. And that was the opinion I had then. The opinion I have now is, you know, retrospect is is what they, what they call 2020. Right. Right. Hindsight you know, is 2020. Uh, or hindsight, and uh, I know uh, I know where I went wrong there. So I learned a big lesson. And everything, and uh, I, you know, I still have always thought that that people are way more important than the money, and their, you know, and their feelings, and and uh, uh, just camaraderie, and really well, knowing that people care about you, and and it must have seemed like such a bad jolt I, for me to to not go along with them all of a sudden that I. I've felt bad about it ever since, you know, and uh, I've I've taken steps, you know, to to tell each one of them anytime I run into them, or I I find a way to to to, 
to talk to one of them to tell him how I, you know, go back and apologize and say, you know, I'm really sorry for how things went down and try to explain to them how what exactly was going on and in my head and and what I was the advice I was being given and everything and uh it uh you know, you know, uh, most of them have come back and they're they're still my friends. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I didn't expect that. Uh, but it, it 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 really, I've I've learned vast amounts from that. And everything. Well, you know, you, you you were young, and when when you know better, you do better. And yeah. you know, it, it, it was a different time, and and you were a, a a young kid at that time. And I think people can give you you know, a lot of uh, um, uh, respect for that and and trying to go back and and make things right. But I will say that when I talk to people about you and I ask them to describe them, like, "Ah, I have Randy coming on the show, you know, how would you describe Randy? The same words come up. Talented, of course, number one, always comes up. Loyal comes up all the time with talented and kind. And that's why I wanted you on the show, Randy. Not only oh, because of, of 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 what you have going in, in Seattle, <laughs> no, but you know this. On, on this show, we really try to highlight nice people doing good things, and especially if they're doing them in Seattle, um, or we try to expose Seattle to people in other places doing great things. And because now, basically, mean people just suck, you know, <laughs> and nice yeah, people do, need to get. You know, and, <laughs> and I almost got included in that. You know, it's like wow, you know. And you know when I realized what was wrong, you know I've I was taught by my mother to you know if you wrong someone you go back and you try to make it right, do your best to try to make it right. And if they don't understand, then you understand their point of view. And if uh, if they can't if they don't like you anymore, let it let it be. And uh, it's okay. Not everyone's going to like you through life. And and everything, but at least you make a you make an effort to let them know that you were wrong, and admit it to them under with you know without trying to you know I, I admitted I really bad decisions you know and uh, and uh, most of them all forgave me, which was really a great thing you know and it made you know they didn't have to, and it made me feel a lot better about the whole situation. Matter of fact, right now, since uh, they're releasing that record again, was, what was really funny is when I woke up, I was sick, I, and I decided to listen to the record. Right about at that same time is when my manager got a call that Virgin was going to re-release it on CD, which I thought was odd that that coincided with each other after this many years. That mm-hmm. almost on the same day that this all kind of starts happening, so. And you know, and I, I thought, you know, um, the, my current band, I thought wasn't right to go back and and try to re. For personal reasons, there was, there's a reason why why the band that plays the Hendrix show with me, which we still put together, uh, wasn't the correct band to put this together. So what I decided was uh, to get. There was uh, this guy Scott Rosberg, who uh, was the bass player and the other singer on the record, as well as the drummer actually sang too. But the original drummer that 
helped me when I was writing writing the the band you know the band that I put together that I was told to disband uh the original drummer and I that's who I was talking to when you called and we were talking over uh the fact that I'm putting this new band together to uh go out and tour a little bit of that record and uh he's hot on the idea and uh Scott Rosberg is hot on the idea and now there's only one guy left to put together, and we're changing Scott from bass guitar because he's a guitarist, really, and he was then, and still is, a guitarist. Scott Rosberg. Um, I wanted to have him play the rhythm guitar tracks as well as sing, and I'll be playing lead guitar and singing. And uh, the original drummer that helped me put it together, Tim Kelleher, will be the drummer. And uh, there's this other bass player that my manager has advised me was would be perfect for it. Uh, I don't know his name, otherwise I'd give it to you. But I, I I can't remember what he said his name was. But uh, we're getting ready to converge here, maybe sometime this week. I've just been waiting to get over this illness that I've had for the three, last three months and and uh, begin to to start putting it back together again. Well, let's talk about a little bit about that tour that's coming up because um, it's it's a world tour and it's going to start in May, and you're starting out. Uh, There's going to be a, a a little bit of a tour right here in the states, and then you head over to Spain to actually kick it off. But there's 47 right. pieces of original Jimi Hendrix art that's going right. to be kind of touring with you, the way I understand it, and you're kicking it off at the Grammy Museum in L.A. Yeah. And then you're going to go to Vegas and a couple other places. But that's um, why don't you tell us about what you have in store for the tour and how that artwork's going to, you know, feed into all of that. Well, you know, it's really cool. I've never seen any of the artwork, uh, and I can't wait to see it. I'm, I draw a lot myself too, you know. So I'm really into art, and especially Jimi Hendrix's art. I mean, I think that's I'd go to see it just just to see that. Right, you know, and, right. and the fact that they want to include me in that uh, is really flattering, you know. Uh, I've, I've worked really hard, you know, to uh, for the last thirty odd years to to uh, embrace Jimmy's music. And uh, you know, when we uh, when I started out doing Jimmy stuff when I was in this band called Kid Chrysler and the Cruisers, it was. Uh, kind of an accident the way it all came together we uh we went out to see a we had a night off and we went out to see a comedy group and they were doing a fictitious rock character up there and it was comedy act which spawned the idea uh of, of with kid chrysler his name's uh gary mckinney said hey you know uh, we should do some rock stars and, and make fun of him he said and i go and he goes, who do you want to make fun of? He called me Toad. Said, who do you want to make fun of, Toad? And I go, well, I don't want to make fun of him, but I'd like to do Jimi Hendrix. And I said, but I don't want to make fun of him. I'd like to do it serious. He goes, okay, we'll make fun of everybody else, and you can do Jimi Hendrix seriously. And this is in 1975. Uh, and it really, that spawned the first Jimi Hendrix because uh, he eventually kicked me out of the band because 
show, and we just started adding to it, and things grew from there, and eventually we were, we were playing at the John Anson Ford Theater in L.A. with 4,500 people, wow. and Capitol Records uh, was there, and that's when I got offered the record deal for for uh, Capitol Records, uh, because Buddy Miles jumped up on stage with us, and it was a really uh, an incredibly fun night. And uh, that's where I met Buddy Miles. All of a sudden, I was playing on the stage, and I looked to my left, and I see Buddy standing there. <laughs> and I went, that's effing Buddy Miles, you know? <laughs> I, was, I went, oh, my God. You know, so he's looking at me with this grin and smile. He's got those bold teeth and stuff and the one star on his front tooth and everything. I'm going like, wow. You know, I was just enthralled. And... uh you stand there, and I'm going like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I go, I'll introduce him to the audience, ladies and gentlemen, Buddy Miles, and he comes walking out on stage, and he goes, he goes, first he, he whispered in my ear, do you want jam? I go, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, and and then he goes to the microphone, he goes, can I play? Can I play? Like that, and and the whole crowd just erupted. So he jumped back on the drums, and we ended up playing, you know, basically the whole Band of Gypsies record. Wow. And, and the audience went completely bananas. And that, it was that, that response that uh, led Capitol to, uh, they offered me a six-album deal backstage, you know, which ended up uh, being one album because uh, there was an option that should have been signed by my manager that I, I ended up firing that, he slept on. Otherwise, it how, how old were you then? You were been, probably what in your early twenties. Yeah, I was. I think I was twenty, twenty-two. I think. Mm, real young. Yeah, I was really young and and really dumb, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, and really uh, just you know being swept away by all this, you know, and and really amazed by it all that. You know, anything was happening to me. You know that it, whenever anybody took interest in it, I, I found that the first night that I played Jimmy's music, that the audience did something special. That they reacted very special, and that they. And the other thing is, I was putting makeup on and a wig and all this stuff, and a lot of people really thought I was a black man. It's <laughs> really funny uh, when I ended up playing around, you know. Uh, the United States that guy Mark Goodman from MTV I think he owns MTV uh, he came to see me play and uh, years later I he was coming through with uh, Seattle with uh, Hall and & Oates and I saw him backstage and I said hey uh, I want to thank you for mentioning my name I was in this Devo video they did our experience and they asked me to play Jimi Hendrix in it and uh he, he kind of went off on the, you know, about how cool I was, I guess, you know, on MTV. And so when I saw him backstage, I went up to him and I said, hey, I really want to thank you for uh, mentioning my name uh, so vehemently on uh, on MTV about um, a Devo video that I was in. He goes, oh, yeah, what's your name? I said, I'm Randy Hansen. He goes, you're not Randy Hansen. Randy Hansen's a black man. I saw him at the Tower Theater in Philadelphia. He's black. I said, that was me. I was wearing makeup, 
in a wig. He said, uh, and he didn't believe me. And to my knowledge, <laughs> to this day, he still doesn't believe me. Um, <laughs> which is pretty funny. That's classic. You know, I, I, it is. Hey, that, that's classic. You know, um, MTV. Back in the day when MTV actually played music. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that so much anymore. Yeah, now it just became like a variety type show where they do all kinds yeah. of you know, all that. Uh, yeah, it's like reality TV over and over again. Yeah. So, yeah, it changed, but I like the original format of what they were doing with videos and everything, and everybody was hooked on it. Oh, shoot, are you kidding? I would come home from school and with my friends, and we would just, like, flop in front of the TV on the couch, and we would just, like, watch MTV for, I mean, hours and hours and hours. I mean, everything was so new. And, I mean, you know, Michael Jackson just come out, you know, with Thriller around that time, and Prince was hot on there. Devo, like you said, was on there. I mean, it was just, you were just kind of so up close to the artist, and I don't know, you know, and then they were going to release a new video. We'd all be talking about it at school. Ooh, we've got to get home because today, you know, at 3 o'clock, is they're going to be releasing, you know, a new um, video, and we were all excited. It was a, you know, that was kind of a, a fun time. Yeah, it really was. I, I remember uh, thinking, wow, this is really something. You know, what was funny is I never really got a, one of my own videos on MTV, um, and, uh, you know, we were starting to put stuff together, but right around the time, uh, it was pretty close to the time when I fired that manager. And so, uh, after that, I started managing myself, and then I found that to be very difficult. And I had a friend, Kevin Filo, who he'd been taking truck driving school, and, and he went to bartending school. And he was a, a little bit lost as to what he wanted to do in life. And he said, I don't know about this truck driving and, and uh, you know, being a bartender. He had to deal with drunks all the time, and he didn't like that either. And I said, well, you know, here's my black book full of connections. I said, why don't you go home and see how many, of, uh, how many gigs you can throw together for me. And we've been working together ever since. <laughs> and that's, it's been over 30 years too with him you know but wow, he was just a wow. friend of mine back then you know who I saw floundering and I thought well maybe maybe this can work you know mm-hmm. and it did well, you, it, you, it's kept you had good instincts all these years you know and we're still great friends you know oh yeah, yeah you know I'm I've been working with Kevin to, to put this show together. He's just really, he's just really great, you know, to work with. He, he's, a, he's a good guy. I, I can completely understand why you guys hit it off. How did yeah. the Apocalypse Now um, soundtrack kind of happen? Um, well, when when Francis was putting the movie together, he originally was going to just have all Doors music in it, and. He thought that it somehow he thought that it was fitting too well or something. He decided that he wanted to have some other factions in the movie. He still kept the, the doors, the end in it, but uh, he decided he wanted to have a uh, Hendrix sound in it, but he didn't want to use anything of the of Hendrix's 
actually, and I think over uh, a breakfast table or something, they had read that I was going to come through town doing this tribute to Jimi Hendrix. And so we were out on the road. I think we were in Minneapolis. We got a phone call from him saying, uh, uh, we would like to interview you about doing some soundtrack for our movie. Now, uh, I didn't know who Francis Ford Coppola was, so that my management, David Rubinson, or no, actually, uh, I was being managed by this, these people called Bow Arts. They, uh, they contacted me and said, well, we're going to be flying you to San Francisco to meet with this guy, Francis Ford Coppola. And, uh, that's basically all they said, that he's putting a movie together about Vietnam and that, that he wants to use you for soundtrack. So you want to go there and, and interview with, with Francis. And I didn't know who Francis was. So I went and did this interview thinking that this is some small-time little guy doing a little movie and that I, was, you know, I wasn't expecting something big like it was. And uh, so I was really confident. And... Uh, I remember sitting down with him, and he goes, well, how hard is it for you to just make up stuff that would sound like Jimmy? I said, pretty easy. I said, I could do that pretty much blindfolded. It's not a problem. And I was really, probably came off almost cocky about it. And uh, I remember him saying, well, it it pays double scale, and uh, you'll be working for about a month uh, every day in the studio with us, and uh, are you interested? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm interested. He go, okay, well, we'll make the arrangements and everything, and you can come back and and start working on it. And then I went back, and I started telling people about, you know, I'm going to be working on this movie with Francis Ford Coppola. That's when they said, Francis Ford Coppola? I go, <laughs> I go, what do you mean, Francis? What are you so excited about his name? He goes, you don't know who that is? I said, no, who is he? And they go, the Godfather? I went, he did the Godfather? <laughs> and they go, yeah. I'm going like, oh, my God. And I started like, oh, my God, this guy's huge. <laughs> oh, you know, I had no idea. Right. You know? And so then when I started working on it, I was like, then I was really trying my best you know, to to really come up with something for him, you know, because I wanted him to be impressed with me because now I was impressed with his, what he was had done, you know, and I thought, well, this is going to be, this is really going to be something here. And I remember Francis telling me, uh, he goes, you know, uh, 10 years from now, you're going to still be hearing about this movie. I was like, wow, that's, I thought that's kind of a, cocky statement <laughs> and uh, little did I know that I'm still hearing about it I'm still getting paid for it um, it's like the Vietnam vet's favorite movie other than you know <laughs> that and Deer Hunter I think are mm-hmm. the two big movies of that time that depict the war in Vietnam and uh, I was just like you know to this day I just cannot really believe that I got to be a part of that and uh, I lived yeah. at Francis's house for a month while I was working on it. Oh. Got to know their whole family and everybody. You know, it was really a, a mind-blowing time for me. You know, whenever I think back on I it, I, I go like, "Wow!" You know, 
I've got a zillion stories about it and different things that happened. The longest, uh, the longest part of the movie that I got added to, I wasn't even supposed to be working on, but due to the people that were handling me inside the studio when Francis was there, they made the mistake of having me fill this one scene, which ended up being the longest scene that I'm used in, which my guitar and bass tracks uh, replaced an 80-voice choir, uh, an 80-piece orchestra of a piece that was written by his father, Carmine, um, that he ended up taking, you know, and he he formed uh, these the 80-voice choir and 80-voice uh, symphony from all the different symphonies of the United States. He found the, the number one chair of the violin of all these different places and put together this super uh, symphony orchestra and a super um, vocal choir. And that had already, he'd already filled that section. And he didn't, he came in and, and when he found out what we were working on, he kind of hit the ceiling. And, you know, because he was famous for being over budget in that movie about it. And he, uh, you know, he basically yelled at everybody in the studio except for me because I was only following orders. So, mm-hmm. And then he rolled it with the scene and decided to replace all that huge orchestra and, and choir with my guitar and bass track which I thought was was um, insane I thought uh, you can replace well he goes, you know fits it better I like it better I was like hmm. you know and his <laughs> attitude at the time I thought when he asked to roll it and because we you know we we basically were looking at scenes when I when I worked up music and when they rolled it and, and everything, he sat there motionless and listened and watched it. And as soon as, as soon as it was over, he turned to me and says, that was effing great. <laughs> wow. And, and I was completely blown away. I could not believe that, that he was going to do what, what he said. I, I still to this day can't believe he, he used my part instead of that. And the eighty you know, all those all those people that he hired to put that orchestra in were in San Francisco for I think a week recording that that piece. And, you know, he paid each person double scale. He put them up each one in a hotel in their own room. And you know, that was astronomical this the sum mm-hmm. of money it cost. And then to take take it all and throw it on the cutting room floor that's what I thought was truly insane. And, and it turned out to be genius. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was like a huge break for me. Right. You know, it's still the biggest feather in my cap. Other than, you know, uh, being like the first rock tribute band, that's, I'd say, would be the, you know, closely in second place. But, uh, you know, some really mind-blowing things have happened to me in the music industry, and I'm really grateful for them mm-hmm. and everything. But I could never have predicted what was going to what was going to happen with me. 
How old were you, Randy, when you started playing guitar, and how did you get your first guitar? Um, I started playing guitar when my father died when I was 10. A neighbor that I used to go visit, uh, his name was Alan Hartle, his dad played the guitar. And uh, I'm pretty sure that he had heard about my father's death. And I came over to visit, I think, for the first time since he had died. And I was 10 years old. I knocked on the door. I go, is Alan home? He goes, yeah. And he grabbed me by my shirt and hauled me inside the house, threw me in a chair, and went into the closet and came back with a Gibson guitar and a Martin guitar. And he put the Martin in my hands. And he played the Gibson, and he started forming my fingers into chords and showing me how to strum. And he never gave me any, any choice in the matter. He basically just forced me to do this to the point where, you know, every time I came to visit Alan, he did this. And before I could even talk to Alan, I had to sit down with him and play, and he would show me more about playing the guitar. I started, uh, I had a, a 
counselor in my senior year tell me, he, he brought me into his office and he says, you know, Randy, you have no hope of graduating. Because I was not a good student. And I, did, I hated any class that had homework. I didn't like going, you know, when I got home, I wanted to play my guitar. I didn't want to do their stupid homework assignments. And uh, so I, after he told me that, that I wasn't going to graduate, I, is, uh, I'd wake up for school and I'd say, hey, Mom, uh, I got to get, get to school early today. So I would just jet out the front door, walk around the side of the house, back into the basement door, go back into my room and go back to sleep. And then she'd go off to work, and then I'd have the house to myself all day long. Well, then I'd put on not only Jimi Hendrix, but Deep Purple, Jeff Beck, uh, Led Zeppelin, all these different bands I would listen to, Beatles and, and everything, and I'd sit down all day long and do nothing but learn their songs. Uh, you know, and I had a, I found that I had a good ear that I was able to uh, hear a note and realize where it w- was being played on the guitar, and that I, I that I had a talent for that, and so that's where I developed that, and uh, and I I just had so much time to myself through through uh, skipping school and you know event, you know every day the school would call is Randy there yeah he's homesick I'd lower my voice and, <laughs> so, yeah he's homesick today uh, he won't be coming in you know and that and that worked for a long time and uh, eventually you know I I told mom I wasn't graduating she goes she was broken hearted she made me go back to school the next year to a different school I said well I'm not going to the same school because I don't want people seeing that I didn't graduate. So I had her take me to West Seattle High School instead of Self High School. And uh, while I was there, I got uh, an offer to go and play up in Alaska with my own band, which was called The, T-H-E. And uh, we, I, it was like either, either stay here and try to graduate or begin my career as a uh, a paid musician out on the road and I chose to go to Alaska and I gave up on on trying to graduate. I still don't have a diploma, but I've yet to be asked for it. So <laughs> uh, Well you've been able uh, to make a living and a good living. Yeah, music, and, it's, and so it kinda really... worked out all from there, you yeah. know. Uh, and uh, I just felt well these are some of the I'm really glad I did that too because it's made my life a lot easier and I've looked at other people and what they, you know, a lot of people you probably know this because you're 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 doing I'm sure what you what you love. And I've always felt that people should do what they love uh that the that the world would be a nicer place if they if mm-hmm. everybody was doing what they really love. Mm-hmm. Um but I noticed that probably the majority of people are holding down jobs that they don't like only out of necessity, you know. And I really right. feel for them. I so feel for those people and everything. And uh, I feel so lucky to have been able to uh, do what I love, which is music and and uh, music and art, and and that uh, I've 
been lucky enough to make a living at it. You know, I wanted to tell everyone that you also have that new DVD that's just now available on your website, randyhanson.com, which is that substage live DVD. And, right, yeah. And, and that's available now. Yeah. Our bass player in Germany uh, uh, mixed it all and everything, and he did a really fantastic job with it. He's got a great ear. Uh, he and I are really a lot alike as far as... Uh, our ability to hear something and play it, ability of being able to, to transfer it to the guitar. So uh, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I really love the German guys that I play with, you know, but I've never really had, uh, never really made enough money to be able to, you know, a couple of times I've brought the German guys over here to Seattle and played a few gigs around here town with them but uh i've always wanted to have the ability to you know not not let fa- finances get in the way of an idea that i had you know but uh that's the only uh thing i've i've dealt with is that some of my ideas are a little bit too grandiose to uh to pull off without <laughs> having to make sacrifices you know uh uh, playing with the German guys only in Europe, playing with the American guys here in America, and everything, and trying and trying to balance it out so that that one band doesn't get jealous of the other band, and making sure that they know that I'm only dealing with uh, what is necessary and everything. But it seems like lately things are starting to pick up for me, and. Uh, after this world tour, I think I'll be a little bit freer to do exactly what I have in mind mm-hmm. uh, as far as, you know, and not not let finances stand in the way because, you know, you only live once and the legacy you leave behind is is exactly that. There's, you know, and there's, there's things that I've wanted to do that I've just not been able to do just because finances stand in the way, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything. And I don't want to go out and try to I never, you know, I'm real funny about uh, getting financial help from someone else and everything. I've always wanted to, like Francis Ford Coppola risked his his whole bankroll on Apocalypse Now. He, I remember him every morning, well, almost every morning, telling his family, you know, if this movie doesn't go over, we're going to be in the poorhouse. <laughs> you know, if this if this movie tanks, we're all done for. You know, I was thinking, wow, wow, he really believes in himself enough to take all his, his own cash and, you know, things that he made from The Godfather and everything and bankroll it into this this movie. And I, I've i always tried to uh, do the same, you know. I just don't, I've never had a real, um, a real windfall profit thing that happened to me where I was able to take a huge bankroll and really do something with it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I've always been at the uh, at odds financially with uh, my ideas. As are most of us. <laughs> yeah, which, is, which I think is, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It makes you uh, make concessions, but it's still, I, I ended up uh, being able to, like the last tour that we did, I phoned the German band and I said, okay, you guys need to learn 
all of Electric Ladyland because I, when I come over there, we're going to play the Electric Ladyland from beginning to end. And they said, okay. And they, they pretty much put it together to where we only had one rehearsal and then began doing the, began the tour of, of playing the entire Electric Ladyland record, which is now uh, now forming my ideas of uh, putting the uh, putting my album together and touring behind that also. Mhm. You know. Uh, well, and another idea you had was bringing onto your tour this Caspian Coberly, who's a 12-year-old guitarist. Right. So he he must remind you. You of yourself, maybe, at that age. Yeah, well, he reminds me a little bit of it, but he's actually way, way better than I, on the guitar than I was at his age. But I kind of like, you know, you know. I think the reason for that is that, you know, there's a lot better, uh, there's a lot more dexterous, a lot more music that has come out since then of uh, guitar playing and, you know, the world kind of went mm-hmm. guitar crazy for a while. You know, with mm-hmm. all these the, Steve Vai and and uh, Joe Satriani, and you know, you can, the list goes on and on of guitar players and everything. And and Caspian's been in touch with a lot of that. And uh, he's he's at the stage right now. He's like 12 years old. That I was at more like when I was about maybe I don't know 17 or 18. Wow. So he's uh, he's way ahead of where I was then. Uh, what made you so want to that, maybe include him in your tour? Well, you know, I had uh, people reach down and uh, and help me. The band Heart um, helped me help put my name on the map here in Seattle and in other places too. They took me out on tour with them and tried. To, they believed in me and they tried to introduce me to a new audience and a larger audience which springboarded a lot of my career and I'm forever indebted to them for that mm-hmm. and so whenever I get an opportunity like that to help another musician like Caspian um, you know I I jump on it I, I mm-hmm. definitely you know I want to return the favor that way you know, and hopefully uh, Caspian will feel the same way when he reaches my age, you know. Right, and just keep passing the torch on. Yeah, right, and uh, yeah, this is, I think that's really important. Uh, I, I think so, too, and, and that's what I love about the Seattle music scene is there's really a brotherhood and a sisterhood of musician helping musician. Um, you don't really feel like, or I haven't experienced that, um you don't want to help somebody because it might hurt you, or I don't know. There's just this great energy of, um, you know, like I said, brotherhood, sisterhood of, and within the community of, of helping each other. And you don't always see that in other places, or if you do see it, I just didn't witness it. Um, but it's very, very prevalent in, yeah, in within the Seattle well, community. Another thing about Seattle I like is, as opposed to, like I lived in L.A. for two years, one thing I saw in L.A. that I didn't see in Seattle is there's no there's no prima donnas in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I never see anybody you know acting like oh yeah I'm I'm the you know I'm the S you know I'm I'm the guy you know where they're really <laughs> really loving themselves you know 
But right. down in L.A., when I was down there, I saw a lot of that, where people were, like, all talking themselves up and, oh, yeah, our band is great and everything, and you should hear us. And and I never really, I never understood that. You know, I thought, you don't want to go honking your own horn. It doesn't, it's not, uh, it's not becoming, you know. Uh, let other people, yeah. I've always thought, let other people decide whether you're good. You don't. You don't mm-hmm. decide whether you're good. The people mm-hmm. decide. And if the people want to put you up there uh, and and want to support you, they'll support you because they like what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. You you're the product. You're 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 forming the product for them to listen to, and they're either going to tell you, yeah, that's good, or it's or it's not good, or whatever, and they'll embrace it if it's good. Um, yeah, that's 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 exactly how I feel. Exactly how I feel. You know, Randy, you've spent um, a generous amount of time with with us today, and I really appreciate that. Um, I want to tell everyone they can follow you at randyhanson.com, and that um, is a great website. It's really well done. Um, they can purchase a DVD. They can get all your tour information. They can keep up with the latest news and information. Um, I'd really like to talk to you again when you come back from your tour and get your thoughts on all of that and uh, Great. and, uh, yeah, and your I experiences. It. And it's been really nice talking with you. I really like uh thank you for uh, giving me a forum to speak here. And <laughs> well, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm going to play... Let's see. I'm, I'm going to let you choose what we're going to go out to, and then I'm going to bring Caspian on. I'm going to talk to him just a little bit. Um and then I'll, I'll I'll play a couple other songs. But do you want to hear right now the answer, Millionaire or Champagne and Cocaine? Uh, say what was the second one? Millionaire. Uh, I'd say uh, the answer. Frank okay, Marino's the answer. song. I love that song. All right. Me too. Me too. The, the answer was actually the one I was leaning towards for this this particular break. So good. Great minds think alike. All right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is The Answer uh, by Randy Hansen, and we certainly appreciate, Randy, you coming on. Best of luck um, with with everything that's going on, and we will uh, talk to you again after you come back from your world tour and and hear how it went. All right. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Have a great day, and I hope you kick the uh, the, the flu's butt. All right. Thank you. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks a lot.
right. I was at the Play It Forward event here in Seattle a couple months ago. You've all heard me talk about it quite a bit. Uh, it was really a great night for music, for anyone who's a music fan, um, let alone uh, music fans in Seattle. There was kind of a passing of the torch that night between um, a lot of the music legends to a 12-year-old who's been making big headlines, not only here in Seattle, but now kind of around the world. And his name is Caspian Coberly. And you can see him on YouTube. He is also uh, working on his first album. And Randy Hansen, as we just talked about in the last hour, Randy's trying to get him to come on tour with him. There's some hoops that have to be jumped through. But, I mean, when you're 12 and your name's being batted around as going on tour with some of the biggest names in rock, uh, it's, it's pretty special. So thanks, Caspian, for coming on with us today. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so when did you start playing the guitar, Caspian? Um, I started um, taking music lessons when I was five years old. And and you're an old man of 12 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when, when did you first start playing for audiences? Um, I think I started playing in front of audiences when I was six, and I played uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Wow, and then you played for the Huskies, you played for the Storm, you played for 17,000 people. Um, yep. What was that like? Did you um, get nervous? You know, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's really, really fun. It's really fun to do, and I just love doing it. But um, yeah, I don't really get nervous really too much. The only times I actually have ever really got nervous was um, on my first time when I was uh, performing for the Storm. And that was that was pretty nerve-wracking because... It was definitely by far the most amount of people I've ever played in front of. But now I'm kind of used to it a little more. Right, right. Now, at the Play It Forward, you didn't look nervous at all. Um, <laughs> did you have a fun time that night? Yeah, that was super fun. It was really awesome. Yeah. There were so many great guitarists up there, and you were just right there with them. Yep. <laughs> that, was, that was a really <laughs> cool experience. Now you're you're doing several gigs a month now. You're you're kind of playing all over Seattle. Yeah, I am. I'm um, yeah, I've just been doing like over like this year and last year. My gigs have really increased. I'm just having more and more and more gigs, more high profile gigs, and so I'm I'm really excited about that. And so your name has been, you know, tossed around as um, I know Randy's really trying to work on getting you to um, to be on his tour, uh, his European world tour uh, when school's out. Yeah. And, yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. If, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's like, I know it's not 100% sure, but it's really going to be like, if it does happen, that's going to be amazing. Just like traveling and like playing music, it's going to be really cool. Right, yeah, I, I I know he 100% wants you on there, so it's it's not that, and it's just kind of the, um, because you're 12, kind of getting, you know, that all worked out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, t- t- taking a 12-year-old in foreign countries and that type of thing. So I'm sure yeah, yeah. if for some reason it can't happen this year, you know, it'll it'll happen next year. But, Later, yeah, but yeah. I think it, it will happen. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I want to tell everyone, too, that you also have a website, and people can get on there. They can look at your YouTube videos and hear your music, watch you play. I mean, you're just an absolutely amazing player. It's CaspianCoberly.com. I want to spell that out just so they get it right. C-A-S-P-I-A-N-C-O-B-E-R-L-Y. Do, 
did did your parents play guitar at all, or, or how, how did it start that you picked up the guitar? Um, my parents don't play guitar, but um, my grandpa's a really really avid kind of guitar collector, and he's he's a pretty good guitarist too, and he's like um he I think kind of like I get passed down from there, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's a really good guitarist. So you can play guitar with with your grandpa. Yeah, I can play guitar with my grandpa. When you like, that's comes pretty down. cool. He lives in Taipei right now, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. How many guitars do you have? Um, guitars that I actually play, or just like some like cheap guitars that I have from like a long time ago. <laughs> well, probably all of your guitars because you still keep them, so so it must be you know they yeah. they all must be a little special. Um. Well, I have. Uh, let me see. I have like five guitars, and then I also mm-hmm. my mom has an acoustic, except she rarely plays it, so I'm the main one that plays it. So I guess I guess six guitars, but ones that I'll actually play are probably three guitars. Which one's your favorite? My favorite's my um, my Stratocaster. <laughs> yeah. That's the one you mostly play too, as well, right? Totally, yeah. Out, like I have an yeah. Eddie Van Halen uh, Wolfgang guitar, and that one is really, really nice. But I'm thinking about selling it because the neck is like it's it's made for really, really big hands and like sub mm. twelve. It's kind right. of it's kind of a almost like a I don't know like a drawback about it. But mm. and also it's more kind of like for like metal. And I was really into metal a couple of years ago, but now I'm more into kind of blues and that kind of stuff. Mhm. Yeah, there's a really great uh, blues YouTube video of you. Oh yeah. And you're Thanks. really playing the blues on that. And the blues Thank is making so a comeback. Yeah, it is. The, really, uh, totally. It is. Mhm. Gary mm-hmm. Clark Jr. I mean, Black Keys. I know they've been out for like a little over ten years, but they're still like they're. They've gone really, really mainstream in, like, the last two or three years. So, yeah, blues is definitely making a comeback. And it's actually having a really big comeback in, um, in like, really a young guitarist in uh, England, which I've been reading out in, in this uh, blues magazine. Well, um, what do the kids at school think about everything that's going on with you? Oh, uh, they, they think it's pretty cool. They think it's pretty cool. But I don't really – I don't talk about it, like, too much because – and I don't really like um I don't know, it never comes up too much in like my conversations with my friends. Usually we're just talking about basketball or stuff like that. But I mean, they think it's they they whenever I do talk about it, they're usually pretty I mean, they're usually pretty kind of like, well, that's pretty cool. Like they're I don't think they I don't know if they like really understand it as much, but mm-hmm. they think that they definitely think it's really cool. Well, one day they'll fully understand it. And let me tell you, music has always been cool. It will always be cool. And yeah. uh, you get to be the cool kid. That's the great <laughs> thing about music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are you going to be playing next to you? Do you happen to know? If, if people wanted to come Actually, out and see you, where, where would they go? Oh um, I'm not 100% sure where I'm playing next. I mean, I just played at Bake's Place in Bellevue mm-hmm. Um on Sunday of uh, last week, but now is really cool. But I don't know what the next gig that's coming up is going to be. Okay. 
Well, people can go to your website, CaspianCoverly.com, and they can find out all of that information. And I want to come out, like I said, I saw you play at um, at the Play It Forward. I loved it. Um, I went backstage and, and got to talk to all the guys, but but I missed you. So, um, but at some point, I want to come out and and meet you and talk to your mom. And um, we're going to follow your career. I'd like to have you back on. If if cool, you get you. on this tour. Um, after the tour, I want to have you back to you know to, to hear how it went because it'll be a huge life experience for you. Have you ever yeah, been to so Germany? Yeah. <laughs> have you I ever been to Germany been, or Spain? Yeah, I've been to both of those places. I went to Germany surprisingly. I went there for the first time last year, and that was amazing. I went there in the summertime. I went to Munich and Garmisch, which is kind of almost like a kind of like a really like old school town, and it has like amazing mountains and everything. And I I went to Spain I think when I was six years old. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember that as being really cool. Mhm. Yeah, it's it's great to tour both are are, are beautiful places. They they're they're, totally. they're extreme kind of op- opposites but, but they know, are yeah. both beautiful. Yeah, the one beautiful thing about, Yeah. Man, yeah, they're they're really they're really amazing places to go to. But I've been to Europe numerous times. I mean like my mom lived in like uh, London for 12 years, so we visit like a lot of her friends there, and um, mm-hmm. just like people we know in our family. So that's like, so yeah, we we go to Europe quite often. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, Caspian Coberly, you're gonna know his name if if you don't know it now, you <laughs> you, you will soon. But if if you're in Seattle, you certainly know Caspian Coberly. And everybody in Seattle is wishing you the best, and we're following your career, and we just, yeah. you know, just can't wait for all, all the good things to happen to you, Caspian. Oh my gosh, thank you, thank you so much for letting me on, letting me be on this radio show. <laughs> no problem. We'll we'll try to have you back on after you come cool. back from your world tour. Awesome. Yeah, that'll be super cool. All right. Oh, and and when, when your um, when your album comes out. Um, uh, I'll have to get with your mom, and we'll, we'll 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 play it, and we'll have you back on and talk about it. Oh wow, that'll be super cool. That'll be awesome. Yeah, and then you can kind of walk us through the songs and everything, and and we'll play it on the air. Cool. That'll be super cool. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Caspian, for coming on. And Caspian, you're uh, welcome. Caspian, com, and we're going to go out today with another Randy Hansen song. And hey, Caspian, I'm going to let you pick. Do you want to hear? Millionaire, or do you want to hear champagne and cocaine? Although you shouldn't ever touch either one of those two things. <laughs> I'll hear a millionaire. Millionaire, that was my pick too. All right, so thank you, Cassian, for coming on. CassianCoberly.com. We want to thank Randy Hansen for coming on. RandyHanson.com. Um, catch him on their world tour, and we're going to go out with Millionaire. Thanks a lot, Cassian. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a good day. You too. All right, thanks for listening. This is Randy Hansen, Millionaire, and we will see you next time.